Green Left Weekly Radio. There is one newspaper that is independent of powerful interests, and that's Green Left Weekly. It's the people's voice, committed to human and civil rights, environmental sustainability, democracy and equality. It presents ideas mainstream media won't. It's the leading source of local, national and international news analysis and discussion and debate to strengthen the anti-capitalist movements. It exposes the lies and distortions of the power brokers and helps us to better understand the world around us. Uh, good morning, listeners, and uh, welcome to Green Left Weekly Radio. This morning we have myself, Ewan, we have Fergal, Dennis, and Lalitha. Um, <laughs> and so we'll start off with some articles from Dennis. Yes, indeed, as usual. Well, the big news on the cover of Green Left Weekly uh, this week has been the new pl- the new plans for an increase in the GST coming up from our duly selected uh, pr- Prime Minister. I'm not going to get tired from from saying that. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's all right. So <laughs> yes, so yes, there could be a possible increase of five percent of the regressive uh, tax. Uh, now, most of us, uh, most of us actually actually know that uh, G- GST in in itself is basically a, a tax on the working class. GetUp has actually been uh, circulating an infographic uh, here that's highlighting that uh, so someone on a $40,000 a year uh, would actually pay 11.1% uh, of their income in GST payments, while uh, someone on uh, $180,000 a year would only be taxed 7.8% of their income under raised say, GST. And I'm not even talking about <laughs> you know th- those, those, for those who are above that. Yeah. The most abs- absurd thing is they try to justify it, saying we're going to, um, cl- you know, we're going to compensate people. You know, we're going we're to give, comp- you know, we're going to, um, you know, tax uh, them and then compensate yeah. them. Yeah, it was like, well, what's the point <laughs> in taxing people if you're going to give it back anyway? I mean, I mean, never mind the fact that it's a, it is a ridiculous tax. Yeah, yeah, and no, I mean, and I mean, and, and Turnbull himself just tried to say that uh, you know we, we support a fair tax system, right? So uh, is he? What does that mean? Yeah, well, it certainly, <laughs> certainly doesn't mean higher taxes on the on the top one percent. That's what it, uh, that's what it does not mean in the in their policy policy package. There uh, was a, there was a uh, motion passed <laughs> in the Senate, I think, where they tried mm. to put a, a proposal through to keep uh, secret the profits mm. of the what, top one percent. Right. I think in the Greens. Yeah, uh, the Greens. The Greens put up the motion. Yeah. Yep, yeah. yeah. and it was it got carried. It said yes, something sensible. <laughs> yes, <laughs> one yes. small thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, when it comes to tax, you know. Uh, really is uh, socialism for the rich and capitalism for everyone else. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well put, Dennis. Yeah. <laughs> Next up, People Power wins against Mad Gasco in Northern Rivers. Pip Hin- Hinman uh, writes here. So the gas miner Mad Gasco's uh, made a surprise announcement on November 2nd that it was recommending its shareholders to accept a $25 million payout of for its three remaining exploration licenses in New South Wales Northern Rivers near Lismore. So the anti-fracking cam- campaigners have been working hard for more than three years, educating, organizing, and mobilizing communities against the industry are very much relieved. The uh, re- regional coordinator for Gasfield Free, um, Northern Rivers, or Dean, Dean Draper, told Green Left Weekly that it was a good, it was a good decision. Madagascar could never set, uh, set up shop sh- here, 
given the community-wide opposition to the industry. And there certainly has been a huge uh, anti-CSG movement in the, in the area. And according to um, some estimates, clear, roughly it's 97% of Northern Rivers residents post-CSG mining. <laughs> so that, that should tell you something about it. I- and and yeah. and the thing that I love the thing that I love about it is that you know it's not faceless NGOs that have done this work that mm. have stopped it. It's as it says, people power. It's like, it's showing mm. the benefit of protest. That, Absolutely. You know, like if no one had got up and done that, if they'd have just left it to their me- local member of parliament or some group like the World, you know, the WWF or Wilderness Society or whatever, nothing would have happened. Mm-hmm. But people actually just mobilising and saying we're not we don't want it and yes. we're not going to move. That's yeah. That's what that's what has effect. No, absolutely, absolutely. And yeah, and and Draper also mentions that uh, you know the the true heroes of this win are the communities. You know the farmers, the knitting nunners, and everyone else. So coming from a broad range of people, there, people power forced the government to listen. Ah, next up, uh, border force staff have been oh, stood God. down <laughs> of a of a of a work work bands. Now, the Border Force staff uh, have imposed uh, work bans in support of their campaign for a new enterprise uh, bargaining agreement on November 4th. They were, they were stood down without pay by the Department of Immigration and Border Protection, despite the industrial action being authorized by the Fair Work Commission. Uh, so uh, more than 500 workers in uh, freight areas uh, carrying cargo, mail and goods were stood down and docked all pay for applying limited work bans. So this latest attack came ahead of a wider 24-hour strike that will also uh, cover airports and other all the other sites across the, across the department. <laughs> and the CPSU National Secretary Nadine Flood said, uh, said, The strong view of border staff is that they will absolutely not be intimidated and will proceed with industrial action. All the department has achieved is to force these workers to escalate their work pants into what amounts to a management-initiated uh, strike. I call that irony. The same border force that restricts the rights of other people now <laughs> that, engaging in working-class activities. It, it just goes to show that the henchmen <laughs> of capital are no safer than the workers, you know, like than any yeah. other sectors of the workforce. It doesn't matter what you do, whether it's the police, the army. They tried to cut the pay rates of the army, was it last year or the year That's before? Right. No right. one's safe. <laughs> you know, like we've, yeah, it's yeah. It doesn't yeah. matter who you are. No one, nothing sacred to capital. Yes. Uh, and Jim McElroy, next up, Jim McElroy writes: uh, New South Wales government sells one billion dollars worth of public assets uh, in total. So the Mike Mike Baird uh, coalition government sold one billion dollars of state-owned property in 2013 and 2014. Like part of that was done by the previous Liberal government there too. Escalating its private, its drive to privatize uh, public assets. So we've had office blocks, hospitals, schools, and even an island that uh, have been on the chopping block for wholesale theft of people of people's property. Uh, and so well, I think what's, what's actually what we should note is that in 2011-2012, the state government sold assets worth of five million dollars. <sighs> And even though that was, you know, even that government, I believe, was also the liberal one uh, too. So, they, yeah, there you go. Uh, and it's, of course, should not, should not come as a surprise that, uh, that, uh, what's that? people like the Emer- emeritus professor of economics in Sydney Uni, Frank Stillwell, uh, tells us uh, that this short-term interests being pursued against long-term interests of the people 
And people should be smart enough to see that this is not a good economic strategy. Well, it's not about being a good economic strategy. It's more about uh, it's more about robbing the workers of their services and yeah. uh, insur- ensuring that the uh, owners and the exploiters have the upper hand. Selling the silver, selling the silverware to invest in plastic. Exactly. Ah. <laughs> uh, Next up, just a short mention here. World Kobani Day was celebrated in Australia uh, recently. So we had tens of thousands of people rally around the world on um, uh, November 1st to demand greater international support for Kurds battling ISIS. And there were, there were protests in Melbourne and Sydney and, and other places. Uh, and and the, during the protests in Sydney, the uh, we actually had... Um, uh, Greens MP Jamie Parker, along along with Peter Boyle from uh, from uh, our, our very own Peter Boyle from Social Science and Mia Sanders from uh, RISA, uh, were also speakers who supported the calls at the rally. Um, one of the other speakers was also actually Amanda Johnson, the mother of Australian uh, martyr Ashley Johnson, uh, as well. Yeah, so terrible battle going on recently. I think today we heard on the news they're fighting for one of the towns. Mm. Um, in Iraq, mm. uh, there's a huge battle raging there. Yes, yes. Qu- another quick notice. Yeah, uh, medical students take action for refugees. Over yes. <laughs> Once again, in Sydney University, so 100 medical students and their supporters took actions in the uni against offshore processing and the detention of children on November 5th, and taping their mouth shut to, to represent the, the attempt to gag workers under the Border Protection Act. The students held signs saying, I'm a, stu- I'm a medical student against kids in detention. Since the end, one, one, one of the statements they ma- they've made is that since the Royal Children's Hospitals published, publicized uh, this stance, various other children's hospitals around Australia, including Randwick, Adelaide, Darwin, they've organized small actions in the past week to protest against... Uh, Protest, the protest against the uh, con- well, the kind of conditions that, uh, well, sort of s- s- send- sending kids back and forth from hospitals or to, to detention centres. Yeah. Now to, to international news. Now, Ex- uh, some great news coming from the United States. The Seattle socialist Shama Sawant has been re-elected to the Seattle City Council. Hey. So um, Seattle voted for the working class politics by re-electing the socialist incumbent with a five-point lead over her challenger. And uh, so uh, Savant first won her seat back in November 2013 on a clear mandate of socialist policies. And she actually became the first socialist city councillor elected in Seattle in over a century. So during her first year in office, uh, Savant won a... Big campaign for working people with a vote in May last year to raise the Seattle's minimum wage to $15 an hour. Uh, she also pushed for a millionaire's tax on the wealthy and rent control as key policy issues. She has, ch- she has campaigned for workers and union rights and to corporate influence in politics, affordable housing and ten- tenant rights, environmental policies and green jobs, and expansion of public transit, among other issues. So I'm sure she'll see... I'm sure she'll see uh, We'll see more, more more of that from her in the coming years. Uh, just to wrap up here, um, uh, Dick Nichols writes from Barcelona, the Spanish state versus Catalonia towards the flashpoint. So there's been an, a bit of an ongoing war without guns between the Spanish uh, state and Catalonia after October 27th. So on, since on that day, the newly elected pro-independent majority in Catalan parliament pushed a draft bill that solemnly declared 
the start of the process of creating an independent Catalan state in the form of a republic. There could be another another state coming up uh, in Europe uh, uh, soon. But that's, uh, that, that certainly, is, certainly is a massive topic. What we can say at the moment is that uh, it basically pits a mainstream nationalist coalition called Together for Yes, which was um, uh, for fighting for independence of Catalonia, together with uh, the anti-capitalist People's Unity candidates, against against three mainstream parties in in Spain at the moment. That's the People's Party, the People's so- the Socialist Workers, the the horribly misnamed Spanish Socialist Workers Party, <laughs> and the uh, Citizens. So we should, uh, should definitely definitely keep an eye out on that on that issue from uh, and articles from Dick in Barcelona. Okay, thanks for those announcements, Dennis. And uh, we'll go for a break now, and then we'll be back with uh, Lali. She'll be interviewing Moran. Faruqi on the privatisation of the rail network in Newcastle. Still fighting for what is ours. Climate action. Climate justice. No man know the time nor the hour. In December, the governments of 190 countries arrive in Paris to discuss a new global agreement to stop dangerous climate change. Tricia joins their discussions with a series of special interviews and analysis starting Monday, November 16 till 28 and continuing into December from 8 a.m. till 8.30 a.m. weekdays and on Saturdays. The warnings have been issued. If we don't hold the line on emissions, climate change will be irreversible. Stay tuned as Tricia Breakfast Programs join the global conversation. You are listening to Green Left Radio on the Friday Morning Breakfast Show, broadcast live on 3CR Radio, 855 AM digital and streaming live on 3cr.org.au. Green Left Radio is brought to you by the Green Left Weekly newspaper, providing a weekly source of alternative information which aims to inspire action to put people and the environment before profit. Subscribe to Green Left Weekly by visiting the website at greenleft.org.au or call 1-800-634-206. For new subscribers, it's only $10 for the first seven issues. Good morning, Marin, uh, Maureen, isn't it? It is. Good morning, Ali. Yes. morning. Um, we've got uh, Maureen Faruqi on the line. And Marine is the New South Wales Greens Transport Spokeswoman and is an MLC in the New South Wales Parliament. And today Marine's going to tell us about the railway problems, the privatisation of the railway lines in Newcastle. Tell us what's happening, Maureen. Um, so what we discovered last week was an announcement which came right out of the blue from the New South Wales Transport Minister saying that they would be wholesale privatising the public transport in Newcastle. And this comes right after the government's decision to actually rip up the Newcastle rail line right into the heart of Newcastle. They delivered that verdict before last Christmas, and now this Christmas there's this announcement. So, you know, they've betrayed the community of Newcastle and the Hunter, and now it's a real kick in the guts uh, for the people of Newcastle. You know, privatization of public transport does not work anywhere in the world. Mm. It's interesting because uh, for listeners in Victoria, uh, they haven't even heard about this this campaign because the Baird government just recently has uh, lock, stock and barrel sold many, many public assets for, to the tune of several million dollars. Now, this particular one's about a railway line that runs between Sydney and Newcastle. 
Yes, absolutely. And you're absolutely right. Under the Liberal National Government, New South Wales has been for sale, whether it's our uh, public hospital system, whether it's our crown lands, or whether it's our public transport. And this particular campaign, Save the Newcastle Rail Line, has actually been going on for more than a decade. Because even under the Labour government, there were plans and actions to try and sell it off. And uh, to try and sorry, truncate the line. And basically, it's about selling off the piece of public land that's next to the river to developers. What's so important of that piece of land? What's, the, significant, what's the significance of that also, piece of land? Few, so the significance is it's next to a river, I guess. So it's prime um, development property. And the other thing is that most of Newcastle is affected by subsidence from coal mining. And what I understand is that that's the only piece of land now left where you can have high-rise development um, because it doesn't have subsidence issues. But isn't that where the busiest uh, area is, where people actually come into the city to go to work? Absolutely. Newcastle is the second largest city in New South Wales. And this railway line connected the heart of Newcastle to Sydney and to the Hunter, where a lot of people come into Newcastle to work, to go to the doctors, do their shopping. And now... Since the truncation of the line, they've had to stop a few kilometres out of Newcastle and then go on a bus. And really what we're looking at is, what we've discovered is that most people have actually gone back into their cars because Mm. it takes less time, it's more convenient, less causing more pollution. We know how pollution affects climate change. So it is a decision based purely on ideology, the ideology that the private sector is much more efficient. And they align allegiance to the developers, I believe. Absolutely, vested interest. <laughs> totally, totally. I mean, there is nothing. You look at it from all every angle, and there is nothing to it than that because there is no evidence to say that it might work better under a private operator. And everyone in Newcastle and the Hunter knows that yes, we do need an improvement to the public transport system because it has been run down by the government. There has been no investment over years. So it's a problem that they've created themselves and their fix is now to hand it over to a private operator. Now, I believe the Save Our Rail campaign, which has been campaigning for the last 10 years or so, had taken the government to to um, court last year and a verdict came out this January or around that time that you need a government legislation to shut down a train line and yet that went ahead. Now, from what I understand, the the court upheld um, the ca- the save the save our rail campaign's position of not being not to sell the railway line. But I believe they have been uh, overturned on appeal. Tell us a little bit of that story. So, in New South Wales, we have a very strong Transport Administration Act, or we thought we did, which does protect our railway lines uh, from being ripped up and being sold off. When the government made the decision before um, last Christmas and actually did shut down the services, Save Our Rail, which is a community group which has been working with community across New South Wales and Hunter, as you said, for the last 10 years to try and protect our rail line in a very successful campaign. Um, They took the government to court saying that government couldn't really truncate and rip up the lines till Parliament gave them permission to through um, an act. And the court did uphold that, but the government then, through Hunter Development Corporation, which is one of their arms, uh, made an appeal. Um, and so while that decision was being made, in the meantime, the government did uh, put up a bill to change that 
Transport Administration Act. And unfortunately, just a month ago, that legislation did get enacted because of the dodgy deals that went on with the Shooters and Fishers Party in New South Wales Parliament and the government. So that act passed last month. But the appeal still went on. And just again last week, uh, we heard that the court did uh, make a decision that actually the government did not need um, to enact legislation to remove the two kilometres or so of the track um, and to dispose the small section of land. So that is pretty heart-wrenching for Seva Rail because they will be ordered to pay the court costs. Yes, I believe it was mm, to the tune of $800,000. It is, it is. So we are, lots of people in the community and um, are urging government to actually not go ahead with that because it does give a very dangerous message to community groups that you know, challenging the extent of government power for public interest could make them bankrupt. We live in a democracy, and hats off to Save Our Rail, firstly, for running a campaign with the community for such a long time, and then, secondly, having the courage um, you know, to challenge the government and stand up for public good. Mm. Um, it's interesting. The politics behind this is a, a very ideological one where privatization is going to be the answer to all the economic problems. But I, I see you in your press release, you've uh, mentioned Jeremy Corbyn, who is renationalizing the British Rail or wanting to, um, to undo the mess created by the whole uh, privatization network in, um, in Britain that's happened over the last, well, I guess since Thatcher, I guess. So that it's, it's a political question, isn't it, in the end? Absolutely. It's a political question, but it's also that transport is fundamental to how we live. It gets us to work, it connects us as a community, you know. It's at the heart of environment, communities and economies. So it's absolutely vital that this essential service be run as a public service. And as you said, in the UK, over the last some years, we have seen problems, you know, there's less scrutiny, there's less transparency over performance. And of course, the goal is to maximize profits rather than provide a good public service. And there is a huge campaign in the UK, which is supporting Labour Party's stand to renationalize public transport. Lastly, um, what's Save Our Rail going to do now? Save Our Rail and the community. I had a public meeting in Newcastle last night, and I'm still in Newcastle, basically to talk about how we now build a campaign to stop the bad government from privatizing our public assets. Um, the community is strong, that they will continue their fight. Save Our Rail is strong. No one is going to give up. And I think that's been amazing to see. It's inspiring to see the Newcastle and the Hunter community standing together to protect their public assets. Sounds great. Thank you, Dr. Maureen Faruqi, for making the time with Dr. 3CI and Green Left Radio. That was Thank great you information. So much. Thank okay. you, Lali. It's been lovely to talk to you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. That was Dr. Maureen Faruqi, the Greens uh, New South Wales spokeswoman for transport. And she's the MLC in the New South Wales Parliament. Yeah, I think I think it just falls on the people in Newcastle to start mobilising on the streets and you know, blockade, you know, blockading the land, setting pickets up and all that kind of yeah. stuff. It's, they will. Let's that, remember, because uh, let's, let's not forget the... Um, it's Westlink. Yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly. Let's not forget the East, East West Link and what, and what happened there. It's, it's, this could be the reverse in uh, East West Link in, in, in some ways. We, yeah. can, we can only hope. Um, anyway, few announcements. Announcements. Um, the 22nd of uh, November, which is a Sunday, I believe, next 
week mm-hmm. um, at Melton, 10am, there's a rally against the racists, against the UPF at the Melton Town Hall, 232 High Street. Um, I think it's really critical that we, you know, the left makes as big an appearance at this as they can. Actually, mm-hmm. it was not a couple of days ago that um, a, a, a woman activist who was uh, recognised by a UPF member in a video got uh, bashed. Um, yeah, like they're starting to make some. She fractured a jaw. Yeah. She he hit mm. her to yeah. so hard. Yeah, this is serious stuff, you know. Yeah, like, and absolutely. we've we've got to mobilise and say that no, we're not putting up with it. We're not putting up with it on attacks against us, but we're not putting on up, up with it on attacks against you know on attacks against Muslims, migrant communities, or anybody. Anyone. But I think it's not just the left. I think the community has to mobilise. Oh, Every section of the community has to mobilise to fight against such. Domination of the fascist, you know, groups—it's yeah. ridiculous. They came in into three C out to intimidate us. Yeah, these these guys—they, I think the joke is they model themselves on the on on the brown shirts. Well, they should remember what happened to the brown shirts. Yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah. eventually, <laughs> so, eventually, yeah. N- night of long knives. The one so, thing, the one, th- well, the one thing I think we actually have to keep in mind is that we actually have, in some ways, we've already had, uh, we've already, we've already succeeded because we've because they they actually they actually got scared of of, of uh, having a rally in Melbourne. So then they decided to go go over oh. to Melton. They know what'll happen in Melbourne. They'll yes. always lose in Melbourne. <laughs> exactly. I hope so. Um, and and then uh, I guess a bit more light, a bit more lighthearted for us and mobilisation is the twenty seventh of not Me- light, very serious. Stuff. Oh, serious <laughs> stuff. But I mean, it's not. We're not going to have a. We're not going to war for it. You know. We're not going to war either. We're just going to. Don't, you know, the thing is not to get into violence like the fascists want to. We want to have a peaceful march. If they provoke it, well, we'll see what happens. Yeah. But I think we need to be there in the numbers. The numbers is what scares them. So let's go to the Clement March on the 27th. Yep. Uh, yeah, 20, uh, State Library, 5.30. You know, and, uh, all around the world, hundreds of cities across the world will be mobilising to say that, you know, for governments to take meaningful action against climate change. And uh, I'll just throw one more in there. Uh, this Friday, uh, today, today, uh, four till six. If you want to pick up a copy of the Green Left Weekly, uh, we'll, there's a, there'll be a stall. There's a stall every Friday at Flinders Street train station. Sounds good. That's from four till six. Four till six. All right. Well, that's it for today's show. I'd like to thank Fergal, Dennis, and Lali, and uh, tune in next week. And stay tuned now for Beyond Zero Emissions. This brings us to the end of the show. You have been listening to Friday Morning Breakfast with Green Left Radio. Green Left Radio is brought to you by the Green Left Weekly newspaper. Green Left Weekly provides a weekly source of alternative information which aims to inspire action to put people and the environment first. If you would like to subscribe to Green Left Weekly and get it delivered to your door, you can do so by visiting the website at greenleft.org.au or call one 800 634-206. For new subscribers, it's only $10 for the first seven issues. Thank you for listening. You are tuned to 3CR Community Radio 855 Digital on the AM dial and streaming live on 3cr.org.au. Mm-hmm.